Well, hey, there's a golden oldie, and uh, we're, we're, we're back. This is the WCHL podcast. I am the WCHL commissioner, Christopher Perry, and we went to the old intro music simply because we don't have Andrew here. We don't want to mislead the uh, public by thinking my knucklehead sidekick, uh, Andrew Majorkirth, is with us. Instead, we have a very special guest all the way from the Valley, Phoenix, America, Tempe, Arizona. Um, he is the uh, broadcaster extraordinaire for Arizona State Hockey. If you've watched ASU Hockey on YouTube, you've seen this gentleman and you've heard him in action. It's the one and the only Niall Cooper. Niall, are you there? I am, Chris, and thank you for that lovely intro. Ah, whatever. I, I, well, you're very welcome, and it's very well deserved. I only wish I could uh, wish, wish I could do more. Uh, but tell me, Niall, I, every time you've been doing ASU hockey now for how many years? Is this your third year, fourth year? Uh, let's see. This is going to be behind the microphone. This will be year four, I believe. Year four. Uh, okay. Could have, could have been longer, but obviously we had a, a little disruption last year. Yeah. Uh, and whatnot. So all in all, I, I started... Uh, working with Arizona State's club hockey teams in 2015, doing some social media, working those you know Twitter fingers, and since then we've just kind of climbed the proverbial ladder. <laughs> and and now you're the you and your your sidekick. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but uh, you guys are in front of the camera, calling games. Um, tell tell me, Niall, did you? How did you graduate, if you will, from Twitter fingers and social media? How did you go from that to being the play-by-play voice of ASU hockey, ASU club hockey? Let's differentiate because we also have an NCAA team, and we sure would hate for Coach Powers to think we're, uh, you know, dissing his team or anything. So we oh, don't yeah, want to be sure, misrepresenting. Yeah. No, no, never, never. Yeah. So how, how did you become Mr. Twitter all of a sudden to the play-by-play guy? Well, they, there was a partnership for a period of time between the school and the club hockey team for broadcasting. And after, I believe it was the 2015 season, that partnership uh, ended. And so the, the team decided they wanted to go ahead and do some producing of their own games. Uh, you know, there's different programs. I know I was at San Jose State for a couple of years before coming to Arizona state and they had, you know, like a private broadcast the games through Arizona state decided they wanted to go that route. And then my partner stepped in and helped them with that. And after a year of doing the first little bit of game calling, if you will, between the two of us, we went to the team, went to the club and said, Hey, I think there's a better way that we can do this and people can enjoy it and we'll make it free. And now we're producing and calling the games all ourselves and putting them on YouTube for everyone to come in and watch some great WCHL hockey. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me, you said you were at San Jose State for a little bit before you came to ASU. Give give us uh, a little bit of background here on all things Niall Cooper. Are you originally from Arizona? You're from California, somewhere else? I noticed from your Twitter feed you seem to have an affinity for the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> Yes, the uh, let's see, the life of Niall Cooper. That's a long and tragic story, Chris. Let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm from San Jose. I uh, went to San Jose State for a couple of years. Decided uh, I wanted to get out, see a little bit more of the world, uh, and that's what brought me out to the Valley of the Sun here in Arizona. Uh, my sports teams are a little bit all over the place, as you mentioned on Twitter. I'm a 
and supporter plus Colts for my team, but the same true heart among hockey teams. And um, those are probably two of my biggest loves right now in life. So, you know, Saturdays and Sundays are definitely busy times, you know, behind the TV screen. Yeah. So sharks and, and Colts, huh? Yes, sir. And, um, you know, the San Jose was great. I love living out there. It was a great place to grow up. Um, also loved the last, geez, it's now almost seven years. That's crazy. Seven years out here in Arizona has been awesome. And I'm loving being out here as well. All right. Very cool. So, so now are you, do you go to Arizona state? Did you go to Arizona state? Did you graduate from Arizona state? Are you still going to Arizona state? Uh, I did graduate in 2018, graduated with a business degree emphasis in sports and media studies. So it's basically the, uh, the business school, the WP Carey business school at Arizona state, great program. And they also have a great subset program within there where you get a chance to focus on the sports aspect of the world and work with some great professionals. I've worked with, or I studied professionals who have worked in the waste management, Phoenix open, the super bowl, the I'll be college baseball here where they host a lot of the spring training baseball. So it was a great program. Finished up there a few years ago and debated for a little bit, you know, do I want to go back? Can I work on a master's or not? So far that hasn't happened yet, but you know, you know, can never rule anything out. <laughs> never say never. Never, never say, say never. So what do you, what do you do for, uh, I mean, I know that we're doing this, uh, after your, after your work, what do you do for, uh, in, in the meantime for a living since you're not doing ASU hockey right now and you're, uh, not in school? Well, that is a great question. I am currently working in the satellite radio business, mostly doing producing. Tonight, I just got off work from producing radio broadcast for the University of Notre Dame women's basketball program. I do all our company, uh, networks is where I work, and you know, was able to take my sports and media studies degree and just kind of turn it a little and redirect it into learning the radio business, which has actually helped a lot in our endeavors and building up our own YouTube program for the ACHA D1 program. Very cool. Now you, you kind of cut out there when you, when you mentioned the name of the, the company that you work for, I heard networks, what's, is it Learfield or is it what? Uh, it's Skyview Networks. Skyview we Networks. Do, we do work with Learfield. Okay. You know, they did the university on well in a lot of times, and we do work with them. But Skyview Networks is the the company that I work at, which works in conjunction with a lot of different schools and professional sports organizations. Very cool. And so when you say that, like tonight, you were producing universe, uh, Notre Dame women's basketball. What what, what all does that entail? Well, that entails all the nitty gritty, if you will, of the the backside. night football with Joe Buck on the call. I would be the person on the other side of Joe Buck, where you never get to see that, making sure that they're giving them directions throughout the broadcast on where we're going to go with highlights, where we're going to go with replays. Uh, I 
going to go to a break here. I need you to say a certain out cue, and then I'll put, put them into break. Basically, I'm behind the scenes making sure the entire broadcast is up and running the whole time and just kind of navigating the ship, if you will, of a live radio broadcast. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I mean, you would never think that, and, and, and I, I'm not, I don't mean this as a diss or anything, because I, I mean it as a high compliment, but you would never think that watching someone doing a, you know club hockey broadcast on YouTube, that they're also you know, uh, doing many other things behind the scenes with some, as you, you know, you just rattled off the waste management, you know, the Phoenix open, you just didn't, you know, uh, NCAA women's basketball behind the scenes, that kind of stuff. That's pretty cool. And that's what you get to do for a, for, for a living. That's even cooler. You get paid for hanging around sports, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I just, I can't get enough of it. You know, it's sports when I'm off work, it's sports when I'm on work. It's just, you know, a constant cycle. Very, very cool. All right. Well, I, I, that's that's pretty impressive. And, and don't again, don't take this the wrong way. I tune into the ASU YouTube broadcast, and I'm thinking, oh, well, there's Niall and his buddy Brett, and they're going to school, and they're just, uh, you know, this is what they're doing to, you know, kind of earn their chops and to, you know, build a reel, if you will, to try to get a real job after they graduate. And holy smokes, you've already graduated. You're three years graduated. You've already got a real job. You're doing big time stuff, and you're, you know, you're 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 messing around with dinky club hockey. What's what's going on with that, Nile? I mean, you're you're in the big time with NCAA sports. Well, I'm I'm glad that I give you the impression that I'm still young enough to be in school. That's that's very <laughs> that's very kind, of you, Chris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I you know I have a real affinity um, for calling the club hockey games just hockey in general i've been going to hockey games since um before i was born you can call my mom if you want and ask her i know she was going to games when i was on the way back some 26 and something years ago and i've just been such a fan of hockey i love watching it i love calling it i love listening to it ironically enough you know i I think the question might come eventually here i've never played ice hockey yeah that's the one spot where I didn't develop my game. So I guess so you can't call me a five tool hockey enthusiast, you know, just a four tool. <laughs> okay. All right. Impressive. Impressive. Well, tell me you, you deal with um, Arizona state when on your off time for away from your real job and away from all your, whatever your social life might, might entail. You're spe- you decide to spend your time with ASU club hockey. Do you do just the men's one games, or do you also do the men's two games? Do you also do the women's games? Uh, the men's one are always the, the first ones on the list. Uh-huh. And then we also, my partner and I, spent this offseason putting together some manuals and running through all the equipment because Arizona State is uh, one of the few, if I believe maybe the only program who has a full – slate of hockey teams all the way from NCAA division one through all of the club levels and a women's team as well. And so we want to get as many of those broadcasts on the air, but unfortunately my partner and I are working a lot of the times during these games, you know, cause there's some odd hours when you have to fit in ice time out here. Cause the sport of hockey is actually really big in Arizona. So getting ice time isn't as easy as one might think if they've never been out here to Phoenix before. So we've uh, done a good job putting together a broadcast where hopefully the D2 and D3 teams can broadcast as much as they want. Uh, My partner and I try to make it to those broadcasts as much as we can, 
but uh, when we don't, we want to make sure that they can still get on the air as much as possible because it's great for obviously the parents who want to watch the coaches who want to go back and watch film opposing teams that want to see or people that just want to see some great ACHA hockey. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's pretty impressive. So you do the D one games and then the other ones you, you fit in when, as an if. Yeah. For the most part, that is, that okay. is the case. There's lots of hockey out here, which is, which is great for us. You know, lots of opportunities for people to play, to watch, to listen. Very cool. Very cool. Now, do you also uh, have any involvement with the uh, with uh, the NCAA team, the NCAA D1 team that Greg Powers now runs? Uh, I do not know. I aspire one day to hopefully get a chance to work with them in some capacity. They, as you can imagine, put on just a slightly bigger broadcast than what we have with uh, the ACHA. Yeah. Although... I will say that I think our broadcast is, you know, certainly near the top of the the ranks. So maybe we'll have to talk to head coach Greg Powers and the media side and just let them know that we're available in case they ever need, you know, a, a facelift. <laughs> well, there's still the broadcasts are still whether it's NCAA or ACHA, they're still coming out of Oceanside Arena. They're still coming from that uh, precarious loft there above the players' benches. It's not like. Um, they're bringing in, you know, uh, you know, a TV studio or anything, gigantic, bigger cameras. I'm sure they're not bringing in these TV studio things that are rolling around on the floor, or are they? No, they they are using the same little loft that Brett and I get to use when we call our games. They have a few more cameras and a little more comprehensive of a setup for those broadcasts, obviously because it's NCAA Division One. Yeah, but they still we still get to share the same space. And they have to call that from the nice little loft right over the penalty box there. And it's not going to be too much longer. I think by next season, by next fall, the, they're currently building a brand new hockey stadium out here uh, for Arizona State, which will be multi-purpose for hockey, gymnastics, wrestling, volleyball. And that's where the NCAA team is going to be moving whenever they get that building completed. So they're right now just kind of enjoying a, possibly a last little ride and hurrah around Oceanside Ice Arena. I've seen their uh, some of their social media yeah, where they're talking about the last ride of the Oceanside. So I, I think they're fully intending on being over there at the new uh, multi-purpose arena, the the Powers Palace, as I call it. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll they'll uh, they'll get over there. And now tell me, I, I realize this isn't your call or anything, but did you have? Um, uh, do you, ha- did you have any input or I-, I know you probably didn't have any input. That's a silly question, but have you seen what their media setup is going to look like over there? Is it going to be a little bit le- better than the, uh, than the, uh, loft that's there above the, above the benches, or is it going to be a, a, a real press box? Like, uh, like big time hockey deserves. Well, I, I have to say, I love our press box at Oceanside. You know, it, it brings a little, a little je ne sais quoi, you know, something that I don't think any other rink can say that they have. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I'm, I have not seen the full renderings for what the media and broadcast areas are going to look like in the new stadium, but I can imagine that they're going to be up there and they're probably going to do a good job with them, make them very nice, be able to handle all the needs of a top-tier broadcast. I have seen they've already 
showed pictures of the suites they're going to be putting in there. So I imagine somewhere in between all the suites, they'll be having the little perch right at center ice for the broadcasts. That'll be awesome. And hopefully at some point the, uh, the ASU, their club team, especially the big team, the D1 team, will be able to get over to the Powers Palace and uh, have a skate, Maybe when, especially when like U of A comes to town. Um, that'd be kind of fun. That would to, certainly be a lot of fun. Yeah, fill that place up on campus with their uh, arch rival, their arch enemy. Um, okay, so Niall, you're from you're from San Jose. You're in a, a transplant. You're down there in the valley, as you say, the Valley of the Sun. Have you? One of the things that really struck me, and, and I had to learn this. I, I'm talking to you from Norman, Oklahoma, and you know we have big rivalries with Texas, and we have big rivalries with Oklahoma State. But there's there's a little bit of there's nothing quite like the ASU U of A rivalry. There's a there's not a little bit of nastiness. There's not a little bit of hate. There's a just it is full on. Is that something that you've um, is being that you're originally from California? And is is that something that you've you know taken to since you're an ASU grad, or is that just something that's uh, um, you know, not necessarily because I imagine up in San Jose, it's probably a little bit more laid back with the Stanford Cal rivalries or, you know, whatever else you get. The San Francisco Oakland rivalries, they're there, but they're just rivalries. They're not the full on hate that U of A and ASU is. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I, I didn't see anything like it coming out here. And I can certainly remember the first football game that I went to between Arizona State and U of A had a certain tenacity to it that I had never seen before and then coming in and seeing the hockey games as you know at Oceanside that little perch is so close to the ice you really get to be right between the benches and just the pure passion and the level of intensity of the games between Arizona State and the University of Arizona really is just on another level I mean you can tell both of the programs can almost simultaneously respect each other and hate each other at the same time when they're on the ice and i saw that just a few weeks ago in mid-october university of arizona came up here to Tempe and played a two-game series against arizona state the weekend split one and one between the two teams but both games were just wire to wire from the first minute all the way to the final seconds just pure raw intensity and it's a lot of fun to call it's a lot of fun to watch i'm sure if you're the coaches it's a little more stress-inducing than you probably like, but it's definitely one of the best rivalries that I've seen. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a great rivalry. There, there's no doubt about it. And uh, playing for the Cactus Cup, there's, I mean, it's 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 a unique and intense rivalry. But the the just the venom and the 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 out and outright vile, you know, hatred for one another. It's. Uh, that was a shocker to me, and you know nothing wrong with it. I guess it's just uh, there's an awful lot of energy spent from both sides hating on the other, and I'm like, boy, life is uh, it's it's life's too short, I think, to get all that pent up about things. But uh, hey, power to the power to the Sun Devils and to the Wildcats for really getting after it. They take that rivalry to a uh, to a, a new uh, to you know in Spinal Tap terms, they've dialed it up to eleven. Holy crap, it's just insane. Wow. Well, tell me this, Niall. Um, you, you just touched on it a little bit. You said you've had U of A come into uh, Oceanside already. You've also seen some other teams. You've seen Utah. I think you've seen uh, Central Oklahoma. And you've seen, uh, 
or is that it so far? You've got Grand Canyon coming up this week. What's been your impressions of the Arizona State team uh, so far this season? I've been rather uh, impressed with the Arizona State team. I think in spite of their current record on the year, they sit about 500 right now. And I don't think that's full of where the team came and what their peak performance the season series. They opened the season at home against Central Oklahoma, one of the great programs we have in the WCHL. And that was a heck of a weekend. Central Oklahoma won both of those games to open the season, but it was really exciting from finish for the most part. The games were pretty competitive up until the end of the first game. The first game was 6-2 to two, Central Oklahoma. second one was 3-1 Central Oklahoma. But both games were great. I think Arizona State has a lot of high-end offensive pieces, guys that you would say, all right, I want you to quarterback my power play. No, I want you to quarterback my power play. Uh-huh. And they've also this season been able to take some freshmen and some new faces and integrate them pretty well into the roster. The goaltending situation is great. It seems like ever since... I started calling games for Arizona State. One of the staples of the program has been great goaltending between the pipes. We had one of our longtime goaltenders, Bronson Moore, graduate and get on the NCAA roster starting this season. Between the pipes, just been great. Well, Eric Carver, Bronson, and company. So it's a program that I think is obviously. WCH finals this year. There's only 20 teams. I'd states to put something in a long road trip coming up and bring them back in Oceanside, if you can believe 2022, which just sounds like so far away. My gosh. But if they have a good road trip during the last, the next call, if they get out of Central Oklahoma or University of Arizona. Hello, 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 hello. All right. Well, hey, we're um, so you were describing the the goaltending uh, before things got uh, kind of robotic on us, and um, you had the. Um, I mean, you're right. ASU had pulled the tough draw to start the season with Central Oklahoma. I mean, that was that's not an easy start to the season at all. Uh, so if you if you don't mind now, just go ahead and uh, just go ahead and repeat everything that you said while you were a robot here on the line. <laughs> Not a problem. We'll, uh, we'll just go right back. I'm going to hit the rewind button real quick here, Chris, and then we'll get right back into it. Yeah. The I believe I was right on the goaltending for Arizona State. The club goaltending has been immaculate this season, which is great. So far in all the home games, we've been seeing a lot of rubber get shot on the Arizona State net, and that's been a little bit of the byproduct of the team starting to learn each other and their lines and kind of get that chemistry developed. And so the goaltenders have kind of had to be the backstop there while everyone else is figuring out how to play with each other in front of them. They've had to kind of stand there and be like, all right, I'm going to make some saves tonight, maybe 30, maybe 40, sometimes 50, but we're going to get the saves. We're going to keep this game competitive. And, you know, with the tough roster, you look at ranked teams like Central Oklahoma to start the season, University of Arizona right after that, University of Utah back-to-backs right after that, you know, the first – Four, content, four teams that they played essentially to start the season are all ranked. So, you know, you're really hitting the ground running right there if you're Arizona State. And I thought they've done a good job keeping 
games competitive, looking like a good team, looking like a team that's ready to turn a corner and really do something special. What do you? I, I think you're right that ASU has a lot of offense. I mean, when you when I think of ASU, I think of Clayton Lackey. I think of guys like Elliot Plourd. I think of um, guys like uh, uh, you know, there's Connor Deneen. There's the Studioso in uh, the big number fifteen Hoffenkamp. Those yeah, guys sure. are those guys are just horses, and they can play for most you know on the top lines for most any team. Um, what, what have there been some newcomers this year that have uh, that have impressed you on the ASU squad? Uh, there have been. I think you mentioned a lot of the regulars, a lot of the guys that really eat up the minutes. I think offensively, uh, Joey McGrath, number seventeen, is a guy. He's got six points in eight games so far this season. He's been putting up, I think, good effort when he's on the ice. He's one of those guys that gets moved around a little bit on the lines just because he's been playing at a really consistent level for head coach Tate Green and company, that that's the kind of guy you can move around and be like, all right, we're going to take McGrath and we're going to put him on the second line, or we're going to put him here on the third line to get a couple other guys going. And he's been great. One of those 200 foot guys that kind of has a little bit of everything to his game, a lot of hustle, some offense, isn't afraid to play defense. And then on the back end, uh, number 25, Wyatt Palmer, has been a great defenseman for Arizona State. Big, tall guy, but he surprises you with his offense. I will tell you, his handles the last couple of weeks, his confidence just seems to be going through the roof with each passing game. And he's been a guy that's been making some great breakout passes, generating some offense single-handedly. And that's kind of the stuff you need when you have the new guys coming in. You're going to need some players on the back end being able to provide a little bit of a relief for the rest of the team and also kind of get the team confidence and gusto up. And so far, I think Jelly McGrath and Wyatt Palmer are a couple guys that have stepped in this season and really had an instant impact. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. They've, uh, when I think of the defense, the the big name, at least for from my perspective on Arizona State, that comes to mind is uh, Kowalchuk. He seems like he's been there uh, for, for a number of years now, and he's just uh, just seems like he's been a mainstay. He's been there for a long time, and he's just rock solid. So uh, it's good to know that there's some uh, some some freshmen, or at least uh, you know McGrath on uh, up front, and as you say, Wyatt up uh, on the back end there to help out uh, Kowalchuk. Very very nice. All right. Well, tell me a little bit more. You've been around for a while. We talked about this broadcasting, what, since 2015. So you've seen some of the WCHL from, uh, geez, for at least the past four or five years. Um, what's your perspective on, on the conference and uh, on on overall basis? I mean, it, you, I know that we're a good conference, but uh, what do you see from your side of things as a broadcaster with regard to the conference, maybe compared to uh, other teams and other conferences that uh, come into Oceanside? I think I am very impressed. Obviously, the WCHL is a very competitive conference from top to bottom. I love that every game is intense and that's due to the fact that all the teams and the programs are good which is something that i don't think every conference in the league can say I mean, you look at you know iowa state's 15 and 1 and some of those games you know are coming teams where it's a little even and then you look at university of nevada las vegas up there number eight right now in the rankings they're seven and three central oklahoma at nine and four is right behind them teams they come in every single weekend they play and they're going to have tough competition. And you're going to go up against another team that has some good players, that has good coaching, that is and to win. And every team starts 
pretty much ready and looking to make that not something that most other colleges say you have a couple of your high-end teams the minot states even though they're independent you look at lindenwood or stony brook and i think that those teams always know they're going to be near or at the top of their conference but in the wchl i think every year you get new teams that kind of can step up with the new players or a new concerted effort and just show how good they are and it's you know not a surprise unlv has risen up the ranks quickly. Arizona State was able to transition to having an NCAA team and an ACHA Division One team and still remain competitive. You look at Utah's another great program. They're doing really well. University of Arizona has been a very solid team. You know, I can I can say fortunately I only be I guess, but they another great. I think W is. For me, the most competitive league that we have in ACHA. Very not well. Obviously, I'm biased, but I'll, I agree with you 100. percent I think it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you wouldn't expect anything less from the dumb commissioner, right? Let Let me ask this, Niall. You've been around. Uh, we're this is our first year of having 10 teams, two divisions in the WCHL. So the previous iterations that you've had the pleasure of broadcasting. You got the uh, you got to see three games in three nights Thursday Friday Saturday when we had travel partners and now you're only doing Friday and Saturday nights. What's uh, yes. how is that been good for Nile and Brett? Has that not been good for Nile and Brett? Do you care? Does it matter? get the sets whether you get you know one night against Central Oklahoma against University of Oklahoma or what have you. I think. Those were always fun. Having the two game sets is also fun. I'm just I'm one of those guys who just had you put me in a rank with some I'm just happy to be there. And I think the hockey it seems like every year for me just within the interconference rivalries in the WCHL. It certainly, you know, wouldn't mind three game sets and having a you know, a couple more games on the chance to call. But nonetheless, I think Great having the extra teams, you know, all the way up to 10. I can only hope that, you know, we get more teams and more years go on. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the players appreciate two games in, in two nights as opposed to three and three, but uh, – I don't know. I was kind of partial True. to the. I was kind of partial to the uh, to the travel thing because I, I I agree with you. I like the idea that one night you're playing Arizona, the next night you've got uh, the next two nights you've got ASU. Um, you know, one night you've got Colorado State, the next two nights you've got Colorado, that sort of thing. But um, oh well, oh well. Hey, those are we're onward and upward. So tell me, tell me this. Let's, uh, Nile. You're. Are you? Well, I was going to ask what the long-term vision is for Niall Cooper to play. I'm sure, though, that you don't want to be doing Arizona State broadcasting for the rest of your Arizona State club hockey broadcasting for the rest of your life. What's what's the end goal, or what's not the end goal, but uh, the intermediate goal, if you will, for for Niall Cooper? And then in my free time, I can bring from work and get a chance to work behind the screen for the Arizona State broadcasts. And it, uh, hockey is such a fast paced game, and I really enjoy the challenge. And 
is over in the line the other way with a couple guys going down the wing and that drive and you know it's just the, i think the greatest sport in the world so i'd say the intermediate goal for me is i would love the chance to climb the ranks a little bit being able to call some more hockey games if possible there's obviously a lot of great hockey leagues here in this country here in the state of arizona there's a lot of good hockey so you know ultimately one day if i got a chance to you know, get behind the microphone in the NHL, that would be maybe the dream. I'd say the intermediate would just be to continue seeing if I can work up the ladder from what we've built so far with the Arizona State club hockey team and see what the, what the next level would be that I can take that to. Hey, are, do, you, uh, do you do other sports as well as uh, club hockey, or do you just focus primarily on hockey? Uh, in in regards to calling it, yeah. In regards to play by play duties, I, I get it from yeah. with regard to producing. You've already wowed us with um, you. You do all sorts of big time things already in terms of production and, and calling the shots behind the scenes. But in terms of being the man on the mic, being the Joe Buck, if you will, um, you know what uh, do you do? Other sports or or other? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess other teams or do you just do the ASU club hockey gig? Uh, so far, it's just been the club hockey gig. Fitting that in uh, around work has been just kind of the right amount of complimentary time, if you will, being able to kind of squeeze everything in. Okay. You know, it's a little bit like Tetris sometimes, getting the schedules to match up. I bet. I bet. Uh, I, I love, you know, spending my time when I can at home or, you know, even if I'm working a certain bra kind of mentally through how I would with professors who do countless different sports you know i think about paul burmeister does university of notre dame but he's also works with nbc doing uh, the weekend football coverage he's called the tour de france he's called premier league soccer uh you know and i've gotten a chance to work with a few different people like that who i just get to really see their skill set see how they work in different sports and get a chance to kind of learn and I think I would love the opportunity to be able to do more of that in the future. So far, hockey's been kind of the wheelhouse. You know, I think I'd have, if I were to get a chance to do some baseball, I'd have to practice my storytelling because I think the action's just a little in baseball than compared to hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A but lot of time to fill. Yes. Lots of time to fill. But nonetheless, I think getting a chance to call any sport uh, is certainly something you know, gets me going and has my engine. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's, let's shift gears really quick and let's get, uh, some, some prognostications, if you will, from now Cooper on this weekend's games coming up involving WCHL teams. Um, do you think you're, you can, you can render some, uh, some quick hot takes for us? Do you think? I, I think I might be able to, if you, take any of these to the uh the sports betting books then i can't be held liable for what <laughs> happens at that point but regardless i think we can give you some uh some hot takes let's 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 do it and know, knowing that uh all, all bets are off do not take these to the uh to the bookies um i, I think you'd be probably hard pressed to find someone who knows maybe they're that desperate to, but it's someone that's betting on acha club hockey what do you think uh, I think you're right. I think it'd be a little, little far fetched to find anybody betting in that realm. But you maybe, know, I have to cover my bases. Yeah, there you go. Maybe it's City National Arena up there in Vegas. You got some uh, ne'er do wells that are out there uh, betting on the side, but it's probably nothing up on the big board. 
So I certainly think that might be the case. I think it's interesting you bring up Vegas because I was just looking. They play Utah this yeah. coming weekend, Friday. Salt Lake City, however, so no one's going to get a chance to go out there and bet on it locally in Vegas. But I think that's going to be a great matchup in the WC. Rams that at Las Vegas is, I think, off to a great start this season. I remember watching the previous season that we got to call back in 2020. At that time, the they are obviously, as we all know, playing in the as the Golden Knights, and I think that's become a bit of a hockey hotbed the southwest and for all of us you know the more competitive hockey the more people that like hockey and want to watch it the better in my opinion yeah uh getting a chance like a great program they have all right can you hear me here I i can hear you there yeah all right well hey we were you were you were knee deep into unlv at utah and you were, you'd already gone through the UNLV when talking to, I think you were talking about Utah when all of a sudden we went uh, Roboto again. Well, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, let's not have that happen again. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, I think looking at the Utah side of things, I think that's a program that is going to give UNLV a lot of trouble this weekend. I think Utah plays a good 200-foot game. They have a really good penalty killing unit. This in their two game series against Arizona State, their penalty kill I thought was really what tipped the scales both evenings. They were able to not only kill off penalties against them, but they were also able to get some goals shorthanded. And whenever you can do that, that's something that can really swing the momentum. Their special teams seem to be firing on all cylinders. And when you have special teams going and playing well, I think you have a chance to win on any given night. Yeah. And they have that offense just kind of up and down the lineup that really showcased against Arizona State. I think, obviously, the betting favorite going in is going to be UNLV, given their high ranking uh, and the most recent rankings that came out. But I would not be surprised if University of Utah at least gets one of the wins, if not both, being on home ice. Very good. All right, so you're calling for at least a split, but maybe even a Utah sweep. It you wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. No. All right. Uh, in non-conference games, there's uh, McKendry from my B conference, the MCH. They're coming down to Central Oklahoma to. Uh, I think they're coming down to get their butts kicked. But you tell me, what do you think? I was just looking at that matchup. I see Central Oklahoma getting a chance to host. McKendry, and I think that that is a great opportunity for Central Oklahoma to kind of pad the resume a little bit, if you will. Oh, yeah. Points and, and get some good points in the rankings. You know, I was looking at the rankings, and it's a computer poll at this point that pretty much looks at what are your biggest margin of victory wins, and then what are your one-goal wins that you have. And I think that Central Oklahoma already has a couple big wins on their season so far. And I think that they're going to get a chance to add to it. I expect Central Oklahoma to have a couple big victories this weekend against McKendry. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I like McKendry and I like their coaching staff, and uh, they're they're the defending champions from my from my B conference, but uh, they're not Central Oklahoma, so they're, that'll be tough. <laughs> Oklahoma's going out to Alabama to go play down there. Lots of banjos and. Hound Dogs playing down in Alabama, but uh, how do you see that that affair shaking out? I think that looks like two teams that are trying to find their way. I certainly would agree with that. I think Alabama had a nice 
tough start to the season, getting to draw UCO on the road in their first two games. And credit to them, they were able to give Central Oklahoma a hard time in their second game. Uh, I would agree, though, that I think it's definitely going to be a little, I don't want to say mucky necessarily, but I think both teams are going to be a little playing a little more nose to the grindstone, if you will, in the in the weekend. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then, uh, so care to make any, what do you think is going to happen? A split, a sweep? Who's who's doing what to whom? I think Oklahoma is always, Oklahoma for some reason, just the state of Oklahoma is always very competitive and puts out some good products on the ice. Uh, we already talked about Central Oklahoma, as you know. I think yep. University of Oklahoma is coming off a tough weekend set against Missouri State, and I think they're going to be looking to rectify that against an Alabama team that isn't quite on that same level. So I'm going to go ahead and say I think Oklahoma takes both of those games, albeit I think they will be close and narrow contests yeah, and okay. competitive, but I do expect Central uh, University of Oklahoma rather to have a good weekend. Very nice. Boy, I, my, my, my podcast partner in crime, the general manager for OU, he'll love you to hear that. He predicted a sweep last weekend against Missouri State, and it kind of went south on him. So, uh, All right, uh, the, the next series is uh, Colorado State. They're heading off to Springfield, America, to take on those Missouri State Ice Bears that you just talked about. Um, earlier this season, Missouri State went to CSU and won a pair of games up there in Fort Collins. Uh, what does Nile, what, what's Nile's great prognostication for CSU at Mo State? Well, I think Mo State is going to provide quite the challenge to Colorado State. Luckily, they had a chance to see them early in the season, kind of get a little bit of a uh, roster report, a little scouting report, if you will, and take that back to the headquarters and sort everything out. They Colorado State had a tough draw playing Missouri State, and then immediately after that, playing the University of Arizona, I think being on the road at Missouri State's definitely going to be quite the challenge for the Rams of Fort Collins. And I think they're going to put up the best fight that they can. I certainly hope so. But playing against the Missouri State team that's ranked sixth, 10-4 and four so far, I, I would l- easily take Missouri State as the betting team for uh, for this weekend. All right. I think, I think you're right there. It's easy to see that uh, most State – Missouri State, they're playing well and they play well at home, and uh, yeah, they're going to be uh, they're going to be fat, dumb, and happy for uh, being ranked number six in the nation. So that's that's pretty good. All right, hey, we'll switch to your arch rival. I know this is you're going to have to say this through gritted teeth, so because you don't really want to talk about the Arizona Wildcats all that much. But U of A is going up to Boulder to take on the Buffs at the CU Boulder Rec Center. And, um, you know, U of A has kind of struggled to come out of as they've, you know, jumped out of the gate here. Uh, but, you know, they've, they seem to have uh, picked it up of late and they're playing the Buffs who are just coming off a sweep of their arch rival, Colorado State. So how do you see uh, that weekend series shaking out? Well, you know, as you said, we have two hot teams coming in here. University of Arizona has won four straight and uh, five of their previous six, including a win against UNLV on the road and they had a nice little home series the wildcats did and before they head up to colorado here and i think it'll be interesting because watching university of arizona they did lose 
a little bit of offense in the offseason, but still return one of the best scorers in the ACHA and WCHL and Anthony Cusinelli. And I think that they are going to be able to give University of Colorado everything they can handle and then some. It's a, I will say that, you know, having been to Colorado a few times, the altitude certainly can take its toll. And I think that will be a chance for University of Colorado to kind of establish play early, if you will, and try to dominate the first period. I think as the games go on and as the weekend wears on, University of Arizona is only going to gain more confidence and start playing a little bit better. So I will say I think Colorado, I'm, I'm going to say Colorado takes that first game Friday night and then University of Arizona comes out Saturday and really delivers a big road performance. Ooh, look at you coming out with the split. See you on a Friday and U of A coming back on a Saturday. Well, that only leaves one matchup left, and that's the one that you're going to get to call on Friday and Saturday night from the coldest rink in all of the ACHA, the ocean <laughs> in Tempe. Um, tell me, Grand Canyon, before, before you tell me what, what you think is going to happen, we talked about the hate or the, the rivalry, the intensity of the rivalry between U of A and Arizona State. What, what about the rivalry between GCU and ASU? Because you guys are not only in the same conference now, but heck, you're in the same town for all practical purposes. Yeah, very, very close. You know, all the talk, as you said, gets mentioned with U of A and ASU. And then meanwhile, you have GCU who's just sitting there right in the background and saying, hey, what about us? And, you know, they've stepped up in the last few years and moved up into the Division One rankings. And they are not doing bad by any means. They've, I think, each season, the last several seasons, they've been getting better one by one each passing season. I think their head coach, Danny Roy, is a great, great head coach for GCU. I think he's been doing really, really well for them. He played as a goaltender at Arizona State back in college for the D2 team at the time in 2012. And he's moved on now, obviously, years later to being the head coach at Grand Canyon. And I think that's a program that's definitely on the rise. Um, I think, you know, their sweaters could use, you know, I'd give their sweaters maybe a six out of 10, not as clean as the sparky <laughs> sun devil look. So I will say that they lose a couple points there from me. That but blue on black is hard game. to read, huh? <laughs> Just a, a few times, you know, maybe that's the broadcaster in me that's, that's griping, <laughs> not being able to get a name out of my mouth at the last second. Yeah. But I think GC is a great program. And I expect this weekend to be very competitive with them in Arizona State. All right. So obviously you expect it to be competitive, but are you going to give me the, the, the Homer prediction or are you going to give me the objective prediction? The Homer prediction being, oh, it's an ASU sweep, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Or is it <laughs> is it going to be the, uh, well, you never know. It could be a split, you know, two teams kind of in the – you know, Arizona State's what in the in our conference? They're they're t- well, heck, they're tied with GCU with uh, with in ninth with nine points each. GCU has that a game in hand. So, uh, I think, what do you think is going to happen? I think you know, since you asked for the homer look and the objective look, I'll give you the homer look. I think Arizona State wins in convincing fashion, and they turn a corner, and the season is absolutely on the rise. Yeah. I think objectively speaking, for everyone that isn't a Sun Devil fan that's listening, I think GCU is a very underrated program. They played Colorado University of Colorado very hard and got wins 
in both of the games a couple weeks ago. Before that, they were able to beat University of Arizona. And before that, they got a taste of Missouri State. And while most State came and really gave them a hard time and had a couple dominant wins, I think that weekend really served well for GCU. And I think that was kind of the turning point where they were able to see what a top-tier program looks like and what it takes to win hard games against ranked teams in the WCHL and the ACHA. And they've turned around and put together some really good performances uh, in the latter stages of October and even most recently against University of Arizona on the road down south in Tucson. So I think the GCU team is going to come out and play really well. Arizona State has had a little bit of trouble lately starting games. They seem to come out just a little slow, and then it's kind of an ascension from there. So the chance for GCU is going to be to come out and shake off the bus legs and step on the ice and dictate the pace of play to Arizona State. I think if they can do that, they'll have a good chance to win on the road in the coldest rink, as you trademarked in the ACHA at Oceanside Ice Arena. Yeah. I think this is going to be my third split call of the evening. I think GCU does steal a game this weekend against Arizona State. Woo. And I think Arizona State goes into their long road trip with a, a split here against their inner city rivals. We'll have to, I'll have to edit that part out so that Coach Green only hears the Homer version of your <laughs> predictions. So let, well, let, go ahead. Oh, and I think that's that's a great idea. I'm sure <laughs> Coach Green would would love for me to give the uh, the homer take across the board here. But I do have to give some love to the GCU program. I think they're a good program, and I think it it speaks to the level of hockey in the state of Arizona. That University of Arizona is a competitive program. Arizona State is a perennial competitive program, and GCU is on the up and up. And I don't think it's going to be too long here in the near future before all three programs are competing together at the national stage. I think that's the thing that has surprised me the most, Niall, is that splitting the adding, – adding three teams, GCU, Utah, and UNLV, and then splitting the conference into two divisions, I kind of expected there to be two big dogs on the west side in Arizona and UNLV, and I expected there to be two big dogs on the east side in central Oklahoma and Missouri State. And while it's kind of come to play out on the east side, in that Missouri State and Central Oklahoma are, you know, they're they're the they're the leaders, the bell cows, if you will, on the east side. The west side is just wide open, and it's it's a, as I like to say, it's a fist fight every night between all five teams. Uh, there's it's I don't know if it's a um, I mean I think it's a testament to the quality of all five teams that are out there on the west side of the, of the conference. But it's, um, I think it's also just a, a testament to the fact that, you know, hockey in the West, I think, is very underrated, and especially hockey in NHL central um, locations, such as Phoenix, such as uh, Vegas. Obviously, Utah has turned it around. I think a lot of that's in, due to their new coaching staff. But you're, you're from the San Jose area. Hockey is a, a, a huge uh, recruiting hotbed up there for players, as well as it is down in the LA area with uh, the Ducks and the Kings. So uh, I, I, I'm just, it's its really surprised me, uh, but it's a, a pleasant surprise to see how competitive week in and week out, there's no off weeks, if you will, when teams in the WCHL West division take one another on. I agree completely. Definitely fun to watch. I think Every we mentioned it earlier in the in the podcast, it's definitely a competition every single weekend. 
Utah's done amazing with their head coaching staff this season, and they play everybody tough. They have no uh, off nights whatsoever. And then obviously programs like UNLV, University of Arizona, Arizona State are assumed to always be up there in the rankings. They have good recruiting. They have great rosters. They have good programs. You know, players love to come out here. You know, you can't blame them. Who wouldn't want to come out to Tempe and play in this kind of weather, still get a chance to play hockey and immediately be able to walk outside in your flip-flops and shorts? Oh, the the scenery. Yeah, not to mention the scenery. It's gorgeous out here. Yeah, You get to play for a great head coaching staff. That's, I think, just one of the reasons that uh, hockey out west is so good is – just everyone can come out here and you can kind of have it all a little bit, if you will. You can play the hockey you want and you can still have the ability to go around and do things. And it's not, you know, negative 10 degrees and snowing outside in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, good. That's a good way to transition. Cause I have two questions for you. Number one, how in the world is Oceanside ice arena, the coldest rink in all of the ACHA when it's in the middle of the freaking desert. And number two, how do you just explain to, to a regular human being and being myself, uh, a dumb human being, I guess, how do you handle the, the Arizona summers? Because every time I, I think it's blazing hot when it's in the high 90s, low 100s here in, on the flatlands of Oklahoma, you're out there and I see the, the weather reports and it's 120, 125. And I'm like, oh my God, I would melt. I would just fall on the ground under a tree and melt. <laughs> so so well, ha- ha- handle both of those questions, if you will, weatherman. There's definitely some days where I feel like that in the summer and I'm not sure how we make it through. I think to your first question about Oceanside, I believe it is the heat that the rink decides, the the management staff of the rink decides it's so hot outside that if we get behind the balance of keeping it cold in here and being able to maintain that temperature before the heat outside turns things the other way, that we have to keep it extra cold to give us a buffer window. Cause if it starts heating up, I've been inside Oceanside once when it started to get really hot because someone had left a few of the doors open and the cold air was rushing out. Yeah. It heats up in a hurry when it gets out here, you know, it's like a little oven. Okay. And so Oceanside, I think they do a great job keeping it nice and cold. And while it's not the most fun to stand in the press box and try to call when you have a scarf wrapped around your neck and you have on your big parka, I think it definitely helps the quality of the ice, uh, considering it's oftentimes over 100 degrees outside during the day. Yeah, it was uh, my first time going there. I was amazed. It was it was this time of the year. It was right before Thanksgiving, and I'm inside watching the game. And uh, between periods, I would go outside and just sit on the heck. I would lay down on that bench, uh, the one of the benches out there in front of Oceanside, because it was like you know 79 degrees at 9:30 at night, and it was just absolutely glorious. Uh, oh yeah the evenings are amazing you uh if you've survived the you know the daytime in the spring and the fall when it's 100 degrees sometimes more the evenings are uh, your retribution yeah i guess thank sure. thank goodness for uh for air conditioning huh whoever whoever invented air conditioning the, the state of arizona the valley of, of the phoenix and tucson uh they send you their thanks holy crap all bars all right i got got a couple more questions and then we'll get you out of here and i appreciate your patience with me uh especially with the the, the sound issues we had earlier uh you're up there we, we've talked about the lovely uh loft that's up there at, at oceanside 
how many times, and tell the truth, how many times have you bonked your head on those pipes uh, that are either behind you or um, that you have to duck under to go from the staircase uh, to your, your broadcast position? Because holy smokes, that I, I would have put a gigantic big orange or flaming yellow cushion or something there because I, I know myself, I've only been there, you know, half dozen times, but I must hit myself, uh, on, on, I must hit that pipe, uh, you know, two or three times a day when I go in there. I can't imagine well, if you're I, doing this da- daily or on a regular like you have since 2015. Oh, yeah. It's it's something you always got to keep in the back of your mind. Sometimes the front of your mind if you manage to smack your forehead on the, on the pipe. <laughs> yeah, that's me. But I, I will be completely honest when I can say I remember hitting it one time very hard the first day that I was in there working uh, the social media side of a broadcast. And after that, it left an impression, both physical and metaphorically speaking. And I have since then done a perfect job, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I probably jinxed you. I have you. not hit it again. So we'll see if the broadcaster curse uh, takes effect early on, on me with one of those pipes this weekend. But I have managed to avoid hitting that thing ever since the first day. And it's it's not easy. It definitely everyone that comes in there, kind of you see their eyes get a little wide when they have to navigate around that thing yeah. constantly. No, no, you're it, it adds a little, a little ambiance, you know, in the background of the broadcast. Oh yeah, it does. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> it, <laughs> it definitely, uh, you, you know, the vibe at Oceanside when you, when you see what's going on, whether it's the uh, low ceiling or when you guys turn the camera around and that's all the, uh, the, the piping in the background that, uh, is like literally shoulder high right there. Now for, it's for you, a unique building for sure. Yeah. For you, Ducking, I can understand, you know, hitting the pipes, that's a hazard you got to worry about. But for your partner in crime, he can probably just breeze under that stuff, no problem, huh? <laughs> well, Brett was always that defenseman that would be the last one back yeah. and keeping plays alive. And I think part of that was due to his aerodynamic ability and great calves. I think <laughs> he was always able to navigate well on the blue line and sniff out trouble before it came. And I think. He still has some of those intuitions to this day where he can slide underneath the bar, if you will, and make sure he doesn't hit it. He might have a few, you know, physical advantages to not hitting his head on that compared to me. Uh-huh. It's certainly a point of contention on some nights, but he still has that uh, sixth sense hockey wise, if you will, where he has that spatial recognition around him at all times. Look at you pumping up your partner when I'm here, here trying to trying to give him grief. <laughs> now, because I, I, I was going to ask, do you guys not have an apple box up there for him to stand on when you guys are doing your two shot? Because there are times when you, you two are there and he's looking, having to look up at you like, uh, you know, it's a father and son or he's looking longingly into your eyes. And I'm like, where's in, poor, poor Brett needs an apple box or two to, you know, kind of even things up. You know, I wish I could say that we would have thought of that at some point. Um, usually, if we can think about it, I'll grab a stool that's sitting around somewhere up there and sit on it. And that seems to kind of narrow out the height difference a little bit more than when we're standing next to each other. Yeah. I think maybe we do need to put in a uh, order for an Apple box to stand on. Because he, sometimes it is there is just a little bit of a discrimination there between the two heights. <laughs> Ironically enough, he's the one that's a little bit shorter, if you will, but 
he tends to bring a little more of the ferocity and intensity at times when we're broadcasting. So, you know, maybe I got the bump physically and he got the bump mentally and, you know, we kind of yin and yang it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, don't tell him I was giving him grief for being a short dude. So, uh, all right. Hey, one, one last thing and then we'll get you out of here. And I appreciate your time this evening. On, I noticed, uh, Niall, on your Twitter handle, it's putt for dough. That tells, yes, that, that tells me that someone likes to golf and someone likes to hustle. Am I, how far off am I on either one of those two? Uh, I'd say you're pretty spot on. Um, I, I do have another social media handle that is Nile golfer 26. That's my Instagram. So I do have quite the affinity for golf. I got, I got, I was playing as a kid, got into it a lot more in high school and have just been enjoying it ever since. And luckily coming out to Phoenix while the ice hockey out here is great. The golf is sometimes even better and to be able to have the opportunity to do both in the same day sometimes is just amazing and it's one of the reasons i love being out here so much i'd say the hustling aspect i don't know if i'm too much of a hustler uh, i don't want to give away any dirty secrets or expose any dirty laundry of mine but i will say there have been a couple times where i've been able to make a little bit of money off some sports there we go see there we go that that that's the mark of a hustler right there i'm not going to say too <laughs> much but i've won some money once in a while like yeah. Okay. Well, very, very good. Well, Niall Cooper, listen, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you putting up with me and all of my baloney here on the WCHL podcast. But more importantly, I appreciate you broadcasting uh, in what you and your your little buddy, uh, Brett Vaughn, do for, uh, for ASU and for the uh, WCHL and for the uh, club hockey guys by putting on very good and top quality professional broadcasts. And I uh, just want to thank you for your time this evening, but also thank you for what you've done. I didn't know you'd, you've been doing it since 2015, but uh, keep on keeping on. It's uh, I, I'm going to be tuning in tomorrow to watch uh, GCU at ASU, and we'll see if the homer comes through or if the, obje- of the or the objective opinion comes through. But thank you, we thank you for see. your time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. This has been a pleasure. I love broadcasting hockey i love all of the contests and getting to hear and listen to any wchl action i think it's just some of the best college hockey that we got out here and it's just a privilege of mine to be able to have a chance to interact and work with that on a weekly basis very very cool well hey everybody that was niall cooper he's the uh, broadcaster extraordinaire for arizona state hockey and boy he does an awful lot of other producing stuff i'm sure we'll be seeing uh his name in uh, some bigger venues, hopefully, uh, hopefully in the not too distant future. So, Niall, thank you for your time tonight. And in the meantime, we're going to uh, hit this magic button and get ourselves out of here. So, thanks for listening to the WCHL podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>